people have come alive and are walking the streets of Jerusalem. But there's one body that was once alive that is now dead. Roman soldiers are taking him off the cross. A stranger is taking him away. We don't know if they carried him or they drug him or they put him in a cart, but they took him to a borrowed grave. God the Father has lost his son on the cross and Satan and his demons are partying in hell, as Prince would say, like it's 1999. What a scene. Now let's back off from that just for a moment. And uh, so thankful you're here with us. I want you to learn something today. We're, I'm going to teach you to start off two Latin phrases, okay? That you, you'll at least sound smarter when you leave this place. The, the first one is in medius race. Say that with me. In medius race. Our English teachers are driving me crazy about how to pronounce this. But what it literally means is in the middle. And it's a, a literary term that, that says a story doesn't have to start chronologically. It can just start right in the middle of the story. Probably the most famous illustration is Iliad by Homer that starts in the middle of the Trojan War before you go to the beginning of the story. A, a really famous one of this today is the most popular show ever on cable TV, Breaking Bad. Watch for a moment how the story started. With Walter White in his underwear, with a mask on, driving his RV in the middle of a desert. You know, after this, he's going to go back. And again, this is not an endorsement. This is just an example, okay? Uh, uh, he, he's going to go back, and he's, he's just a, a high school chemistry teacher. He's the manual guys of that day, Okay. And later he becomes a producer of meth and crazy, crazy story. But that's where it starts, in the middle of the story. Probably a better example today would be the famous movie Saving Private Ryan. It starts out as the troops are storming the beaches of France. And then it goes back to the story of them seeking to find this private who is still alive, whose three brothers have died in World War II. And so in Medius Race, is saying you start the story like we just did in the very middle of the story, in the climax. And then there's another um, Latin term I'd like you to learn, in Christus Victor. Say that with me. In Christus, oh, you guys are really dead. In Christus not Christus, Christus, say it again, in Christus Victor. And that's a Latin phrase that means Christ is victorious. And that's what we're looking at today as we come to Easter weekend. Theologically, we'd call this the stories of the atonement. There are different angles to look at the atonement from. Most of us have grown up with the idea of a substitutionary atonement, penal substitution. In other words, Jesus took our place on the cross. I've told this story a thousand times. It's like this judge in California, this young lady comes before his courtroom. She's guilty of a traffic violation. He brings the gavel down, pronounces her guilty. So far normal. And then he stands up behind his bench, unzips his robe, takes it off, walks down to the front of the courtroom and pays the fine he had just given her. And someone says, that's crazy. And so you know the punchline of the story. The judge is her father 
Well, why did he just forgive her? Because he's a just judge. Why did he pay the price? Because he loved her. And we can understand the cross through that angle. God's a just God. He had to say we were guilty. But Jesus takes his robe off, comes down to this earth, and dies and takes our punishment in our place. That's one view of the atonement. I want to introduce you to one that's not very well known today. Um, It's called Christus Victor. And and for the first 1,500 years of the church, this was the number one view of Easter weekend. Not until about 1,500 did penal substitution become the number one view. And, And Christus Victor teaches us that Jesus not only overcame our sin problem, but that he defeated our enemy, Satan. And so, guys, Easter weekend in this picture of atonement, and it's not an either or, Easter weekend in this picture of atonement is best understood as the climax of a war story. What Jesus does on Easter weekend is not all by itself. It's the climax of a war that started at the beginning of time and that will not be completely finished until Jesus comes back. And so we're going to look at a lot of scriptures for a moment. We're going to start looking at this story. Look how God first created man. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over. Stop this. Pay attention to that. We're supposed to rule the earth. He he says it again. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. And then Psalms 8 would sum that up. You made them, that's us, rulers over the works of your hand. You put everything under their feet. Guys, understand this. God's original intention of creating mankind was not just to have a relationship with us, but for us to be his ambassadors on this earth. For us to rule, to take care of the earth, to subdue the earth, and to make it obedient to God. Now, here's the problem, though. We don't even make it to first base. We don't even get to Genesis chapter 3 until Satan slivers into the picture. Listen to this. The woman said to the serpent, there he is, our enemy. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Mark it down, guys. Here's Satan's first of many lies. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. And the woman and the man fall to it and eat the forbidden fruit. And in that moment, man turns over his rulership of the world to Satan. Because I'm going to show you some verses that have been in our Bible forever, but I'm going to be honest with you. I've never quite noticed them until just the last few months studying this. And, and we're going to see this very clearly. Listen to um, what it says in Genesis, excuse me, in 1 John chapter 5. You know that we are children of God, listen closely, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. He's the ruler. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Did you hear that? Who is Satan? He is the God of this age. He is ruling over the earth. Guys, we think about how a messed up place the earth is. We think about sometimes how screwed up our lives is. Guys, it's not just because you've made bad choices. 
It's also because there is a ruler, there's a manipulator, there's a liar who behind the scenes is making everything as bad as he can. And that's what happens that brings Jesus to the world. Jesus comes, the Son of God, to fight the forces of evil. Again, this is stuff I've not noticed before, but it's right here in Scripture. Why did he come? 1 John 3, verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Listen to Galatians 1. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Because here's what I've not grasped. Not only did Jesus come to bring me forgiveness of my sin, he also came to rescue me and you from the clutches of this evil world of Satan. Now, in the climax, which is what we're in this weekend, it all comes to a head. Jesus comes to this earth. He's perfect Jesus fights the forces of darkness from the beginning when he's born and Herod kills all the babies two years old and younger in Bethlehem. He faces them off in the wilderness. When it comes to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus himself says, this is the hour when darkness reigns. He's fought him the whole way and he ends up on the cross. Listen to this fascinating passage, Colossians 2. Two, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You see, the Bible uses all kinds of different words to describe Satan and his minions, powers, principalities, spiritual forces of darkness. Now, what happens, guys? On the cross, Jesus defeats them. And, and I love what this says here. It's a cool word here. He makes a public spectacle of them. Literally, that word was used in the first century. If your army beat another army, you would come back and bring the generals of the defeated army back to your city, and you would parade them in embarrassment in front of your city. You would make a public spectacle of them. I like what one author said. Jesus died on the cross to free us from Satan, and then Jesus spiked the ball. Now, this will blow your mind. Second Corinthians 2 did my mind. Because, guys, here, here's what we want you to understand here. Satan didn't expect this. Now, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. God's had a hidden mystery that's revealed on the cross. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Guys, this is so cool. Jesus comes to this earth. He is nothing but perfect and loving. And it's like God dangled the bait in front of Satan. And Satan couldn't help himself. And so he seeks to destroy Jesus. And when he kills Jesus on the cross, Satan thinks he is victorious. They are celebrating in hell. But understand this, guys. Satan is not like God. He's not all-knowing. And little did he know, God has pulled a trick on him. The death of Jesus will be the moment not where Satan wins, but where Satan is defeated. 
And even the devil would admit, if he had known the whole story, he would have never killed Jesus. Is that cool? That's powerful. So, what does Easter weekend mean then? Let me give you some points here. Number one, on Easter weekend, Jesus took the full force of evil. Because not only did Jesus take the penalty for our sin, he took the full force of Satan's power on him. Satan thought he was destroying Jesus. Here's here's an analogy, guys. It's like growing up in a neighborhood and there's a bully that moves in the neighborhood. And the bully just dominates the neighborhood. And all the other kids are scared of him. And, And sometimes he gets them to do things they wouldn't do. He manipulates them. But then a bigger kid moves into the neighborhood and he puts the bully in his place. My friends, that's what Jesus did. Satan's been bullying mankind since the fall in the garden. And Jesus shows up and on the cross and resurrection, Jesus puts Satan in his place and he no longer has the power to bully us. Number two, Jesus unmasked Satan. He exposed him. Now, Satan wants you to believe that he's an angel of light. And he wants to to dangle temptation in front of you and think, you know, if you really want the happy life, you got to do this. If you, you really want the good life, here's how it goes. Find money, find prestige, find power. I mean, that's the key, you know. Oh, no, I'm good. Don't, don't think about, you know, what Scripture says about purity and things. That's not the right way. Go my way and you'll be happy. My friends, he's exposed on the cross. He is a liar. He is trying to mislead you. And what he really wants to do is exactly what he did to Jesus. He wants to kill you. The, 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 the truth is, all he wants to do is to bring death in your life. And Jesus unmasked him as evil. And Jesus makes him powerless. So number three, Jesus revealed God. Now he unmasked Satan, and we see him for who he is. He revealed God. What is God? John says it the most clear. God is love. On the cross, we see that God is a just God. He believes in right and wrong, and there must be punishment for sin. But he's also a merciful God. So on the cross, he's able to bring those two things together. He's able to have the punishment and at the same time free us from our sins and free us from the bully. And so now we understand, we see on the cross, man, God loves us. My friends, there's a lot of things I don't understand about the Bible. A lot of things, frankly, I don't understand about God. But one thing I do not doubt when I walk away from Easter weekend is that God loves me. What other explanation can you give of the cross of Jesus than that God loves you and gave his life? On the cross, Jesus reached his arms out as far as he could and said, you want to know how much I love you? Let me show you. And he did. And then number four, here's the story today. Jesus won the war. My friends, when it looked like everything was lost, when there was a celebration in hell, Jesus defeated Satan. Listen to this passage, Hebrews chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is 
the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Because that's what Jesus did. It's an epic cosmic war. And in that climactic moment, Jesus takes upon himself the evil of Satan, destroys it, and then resurrects to free us. Now, how do we know this is true? We know it's true because Jesus resurrected from the dead. That was God's proof that everything he's promised is true. Listen to Romans chapter 1. The good news is about God's son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. As a man, he was born from the family of David. Listen closely. But through the spirit of holiness, he was declared to be God's son with great power by rising from the dead. Guys, listen closely to me. Why can you believe that everything I'm saying to you today is true? It's because Jesus proved he was divine by defeating death and resurrected from the dead. How do you know that God loves you? How do you know that the spirit is powerful? How do you know that love can defeat evil? How can you know your enemy is defeated? How can you know that your sin is taken away? How can you know that you don't have to fear death? Because Jesus defeated it through his resurrection. And that's why Easter Sunday is so very special. Now, most Easter Sundays, I would stop at this moment and give you what I call the proof of the resurrection because my freshman year of college, that's what changed my life. When I wasn't too sure about God, too sure about the Bible, I landed on the resurrection of Jesus and I saw there's absolute amazing proof, historical proof that it happened. But today I want to try a different track. I want to show you a funny video, but the, 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 the video was called, If Jesus' Resurrection Were a Hoax, okay? So if it's not true, then this is what you must picture. Watch this. On earth would they do it? The truth is, they wouldn't. And so it's the resurrection that turns everything upside down. So you say, well, buddy, I, I love everything you're saying today, but... I still feel like I'm in the middle of a war zone, and and we are. In the the meantime, how do we live? I want to describe this with the best analogy I can come up with. I'm going to give you details here. Here's where we live today. If you know World War II history you like, if not, I'll try to explain it. We live between D-Day and V-E Day. What's D-Day? That's the day where the beaches of France were stormed. What's V-E Day? V-E Day is victory over Europe. D-Day happened on June the 6th, 1944. And it was on that day where a decisive blow was given to Hitler's Germany. The Allied forces stormed those beaches in a bloody battle and were able to overcome the German forces. That's June the 6th. On June the 7th, 1944, Everybody knows that Hitler is defeated. There's no way after that that he will win the war. But here's the problem. The war goes to the next May. VE Day doesn't happen until May of 1945. And that's when you see the celebrations in the streets of New York City. Now, here's what I'm trying to say to you guys. The decisive victory was won on Easter weekend. That is our D-Day. 
and Satan is defeated, but there's still a march to Berlin, and we still live in between D-Day and V-E Day. It's obvious Satan is defeated, but Hitler decided in between that and his defeat, he would kill everybody possible, including himself. And our foe, Satan, is a sore loser, and he knows he's lost, and he'll be forever thrown into hell. But in between now and when Jesus comes back, it's his goal to mess up as many of us as possible. That's where we live. Now, here's, here's how we live. First of all, we battle from victory, not for victory. Because understand, the victory has been won. That's not questioned. And now we live in a position of power. We've been restored to our position as rulers of the earth. Read Romans chapter 5. And now we fight knowing the victory is won. And then here's the cool part that we get to do. We participate in heaven's invasion of the earth. We continue the work of Jesus that love overcomes evil. And we love people in a radical way that overcomes the evil on this earth. It's powerful. And so here we are in Medius Res, in the middle of the story. And we know that the cross, that's the No one would have ever dreamed of the cross being the symbol of religion. The cross was the worst form of Roman execution. No one would have put a cross around their neck on top of a building. It was absolutely the, the picture of defeat. And that's why right now we have these crosses looking about as bad as they can. Because that's the way they looked. But through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the cross was transformed into the symbol of victory over Satan and sin. So guys, if you're new with us today, we're about to do something that's, that's really cool. We're going to do what's called flowering the cross. Christians have done this since the 6th century. And as we move around here, we invite you to come and bring a flower and put it on this mesh. If you didn't bring flowers, if you're our guest, we'd love you to participate. We have plenty of flowers on this front row. Just just come and grab one. But here's what we're going to do. Before we come up here to flower the cross, we're first going to go and celebrate the victory. There are communion tables all over this worship center. I challenge you to go there and to take the bread, and take the blood, and remember the victory that was won, and celebrate that. And then, if you would, make your way to the front, and participate as slowly but surely, this instrument of death, this ugly cross, is transformed into a thing of victory, and beauty, and love. And we'll watch it before our eyes. So I'm going to pray. If you're our guest, please feel free to go to one of these communion tables. Get your emblems. Take that. Make your way up here. We've got plenty of flowers. And we're about to celebrate and symbolize the beauty of this weekend. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much <coughs> that you sent your son, not just to take care of our sin problem, but to take care of our enemy. And today, as we remember what happened on that cross, 
we know the secret that Satan didn't know. This was not the place of defeat. This was the place of victory. So bless us, Father, as we participate in this awesome transformation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, just for a moment. Boy, is this beautiful or what? What an incredible transformation. And here's God's will for you and for me, is that he wants us to have this same beautiful transformation. You see, in between D-Day and V-E Day, the biggest thing we do is we choose sides. You say, well, you know, I'm not really going to choose sides. I mean, I'm just, uh, can I be honest with you? Jesus is not giving you that option. He said either you're with him or you're against him. And so the most important thing you're going to do in your life here on this earth is to choose. Are you going to be in God's army? Are you going to be in Satan's army? And guys, Satan's been unmasked. Now look at this passage from John chapter 10, verse 10. This puts it all very clearly. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's Satan's work. But I have come, Jesus said, that they may have life and have it to the full. Here's the question mark, guys. Here's the choice. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, he's going to make you look good. He's going to make the life in the world and under his dominion, he's going to cover it up and make it look like that's really life. But listen, he's been unmasked. What he wants to do in your life is he wants to steal everything you've got. How many of you are tired of him stealing your joy? How many of you are tired of him stealing your peace? How many of you are tired of him stealing you feeling good about yourself? He wants to steal. Not only steal, he wants to destroy. He wants to kill everything that's good. And let this Easter unmask that. But also let this Easter reveal to you that Jesus has come. And though his way may look like the hard way, his way may look like what everybody else is telling you is not right. He has come to give you abundant life. He's come to give you life in the full. And so this morning, if you're new with us, we sing a song right now where we give people an opportunity to respond. If someone would like to be baptized today, baptism is so beautiful because of Easter. Because it's a reenactment of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And just like Austin Brown said Wednesday night, man, I got a brand new life. If you'd like to do that, we'll do this right on the spot. Or if this morning you just feel yourself as a casualty in this war. I mean, Satan's taken too much away from you. He's convinced you to follow his way and you're tired of it. And you're ready to follow Jesus. And you need our prayers today. Now listen, when Jesus defeated Satan, He took away his authority. And so before we leave this place, we will talk to God in the name of Jesus. Listen, Satan has no authority over your life unless you give it to him. God is more powerful. And so we will talk to God in the name of Jesus by the authority of Jesus. And he will allow you to join in the victory. My friends, because this morning... We've gone in medius race. We've gone to the middle of the story, the climax. And we've seen Christus' victory, that Jesus is victorious. 
if you were to join in that victory with him, the choice is yours. Why don't you make it right now while we stand together and sing?